Hey guys, we'll be talking about some of the stuff going on today with the COVID-19 vaccine and the recent stimulus bill for COVID-19 relief and what exactly it is. So on the vaccine, um, you know, vaccines are rolling out uh, publicly now, right by my house. In fact, you can you can see there's signs for it and it's like vaccine available. Um, Michael, you work at a hospital. What can you uh, tell us about what's going on with that? Yeah, so it's been very interesting these past couple of months working, um, you know, at a hospital, especially just, you know, specializing in COVID units and testing um, to see kind of our numbers and how that's changed. We have a chart in um, our hospital that that kind of like goes through all of the, the testing sites around Utah and the, they're kind of like average monthly numbers. And my, my testing site in American Fork is by far the largest in terms of numbers and testing. Um, and so as we move to vaccine distribution, what we have seen, though, with everyone wearing masks and staying more cautious, um, we have way less reported cases of the flu as well as um, hospitalizations from flu or virus symptoms. You know, the only major ones that are people that are already, you know, pre-exposed or predisposed to certain illnesses or factors that, that get worse because of COVID or other sicknesses. Other than that, numbers have been decreasing significantly, you know, in terms of hospitalization rate, in terms of infection rate. Um, in fact, by today, the Utah State Department is expecting to give out over 14,000 vaccines. Um, other clinics, so the ones recently in Saratoga have closed down as well as Spanish Fork and have reopened into vaccination clinics and rerouted their patients towards my hospital. And so we're seeing um, a small uptick just because of that. But over this past month, it has really slowed down to where now I'm only doing about 150 tests a day. So it has it has become much lower, which is a good thing because you know hospitalization, infection rates have gone downhill. A lot of people are expecting, you know, a worse worst case scenario that the variant strains from South Africa and the UK reach Utah, but the the vaccines have been very promising in in combating that. Yeah. Um. I don't know, Cam. What are your, what are your thoughts? Um. This is for everyone too. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you think we should return to normal life now? Uh, now that the vaccine is available to the public, uh, especially in Utah, because um, you know, at least for our school, we're having like still every other day uh, schedule with, you know, like we can't see up our friends. Like we never see Dave and Dave never sees us. And, you know, we would we would like to return to normal, even if it did mean uh, wearing masks. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So personally, I do think that we should go back to normal life because the whole point of this lockdown and everything was to slow the spread so that we can make sure hospitals aren't overwhelmed. And not once so far ha during this pandemic have our hospitals been overwhelmed. We know way more about, we know way more about this virus. We know that it's like endemic. It will spike at some times it won't spike in others. It's not a threat in schools. We know a lot of these things. And at this point, these lockdowns aren't necessary. And all they've done is just, all they've done is prolong the inevitable. And 
the whole point of the vaccine is to make it so that you can stop wearing masks. So you make it so you can stop social distancing, so you can go back to normal life. So and because it's the vaccines have at least the Moderna and uh, Pfizer vaccine have 95 to 90% efficiency, um, efficiency rate, right? And make it when you do have it, you have it decreases the chance of death by 99%, especially for the older populations. That's basically a miracle. And everyone's still saying that you still have to wear your mask. You still have to socially distance. You still can't hang out with people after you get the vaccine. All that does is distance it, um, makes it so people don't want to get the vaccine. Because if you're younger and you're healthy and if you don't have, um, if you're not at risk, why would you get the vaccine if you don't, if the reason to get it, it's not there anymore? Yeah. Because like all that's going to happen is people, people are going to go to normal life eventually anyways. And you're starting to see that and you've been seeing that for a while. And the last thing you want to do is tell people that even if you get the vaccine, it doesn't matter. People aren't going to get the vaccine if you start saying that. We, once you get the vaccine, you should be able to take off the mask. You should be able to go back to normal life. And honestly, we shouldn't be having these lockdowns anymore. We're getting to the end, and we're basically there. And if you still want to wear masks and you still want to stay home, awesome. That's your choice. You should be doing that if you want to. But everyone else is going to go out there and live their lives anyways, and you can't you can't keep this going forever. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, I feel like, you know, with the vaccine out, I don't really – if, if the vaccine works and it's been proven to, then why are we still having to wear masks and social distance and having to go to school every other day and having to deal with all the problems we've been dealing with this whole time if the situation is actually significantly better? In fact, I would say, like, you know, everyone that can that needs the vaccine right now has gotten it. They're, mm -hmm. they've, they've gotten it and, you know, their risk is significantly decreased. Uh, older people, people with, you know, illnesses that put them at greater risk all those people that need it uh can get it right now so yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean i think like kind of what cameron was saying most of the measures that um have been taken by uh like state governments and schools have been to reduce the chance of people at risk um getting covid and when the point with the vaccine is out um, it's been out for a few months now, maybe only weeks, 100% sure on that. But I think it's substantial time for people who are at risk to get the vaccine. And I don't think it should be a huge issue to return back to normal life, I guess. Um, I, I think it would be, a, I mean, there would probably be some complications in transitioning back, but um I think it would definitely be beneficial, especially because it's just caused so many problems with like quarantining, like everyone's working at home. Some people are doing online school, like my friend who lives in Texas. Um, I think, I think he's always been doing online school. Um, they never even, they never even went to school. Um, and so I don't know. I think he's returned. I'm not sure. I'll have to check on that, but um, it's just, it's been such a huge shift and I think we're at the point where we can shift back now. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand that this vaccine, like not this vaccine, this virus is here to stay. Like we're not getting rid of it and there is no 
feasible way in reality for this vaccine, for this virus to just completely disappear. It's going to stay. It's just like any other virus. And um, these, when we're concerned about all these different strains, at this point, it's like, what, what, what can we do? If the strain is going to come, the strain is going to come. We can't keep this up. Yeah. And the vaccine so far has proved to, sh- um, to show that this is, that it still is effective against um, the other strains. But even if we got other strains, it's still, I don't know, we still just can't keep doing this. Yeah, I mean, the flu comes out with a new strain, like, every once in a while, and that's why there's, like, a new vaccine every once in a while. It's it's like, you know, if you want to not have the flu, get the vaccine. Like, the flu is something we live with now, and it's it's not, like, you don't, you don't hear news line covers talking about the flu. Uh, you don't hear all this uproar and people aren't not going to school because of the flu um you know this this will eventually and pretty much already is just a part of our lives now and it needs to be you know just we just have to deal with it there's no way we're gonna get no there's no cure either um like the common cold itself is a type of coronavirus that's why there's no like cure to the common cold it's just something that like comes and goes and so there's not going to be like a cure to covid all we can do is vaccinate and and let it die out i guess the the thing is like there's there i can see on both sides kind of how this argument would go and yes if you do have someone that that is you know susceptible or already at high risk you know the vaccines are opening up for them it takes with the moderna and the pfizer they have two boosters moderna has announced as of a week ago that they're creating a third booster for this shot, but it is 95 to 96% um, effective against symptoms of coronavirus. So even if you and were see, to get like, it, you would be Moderna completely fine. Shots, the first shot gives you up to like 80 to 90% like exactly. immunity. That, so that the booster second shot is just a booster shot. Definitely. But, um, and I think it's interesting to note too that, you know, Johnson & Johnson is also one that has also been approved by the FDA yet it's only 66% effective you know in creating those antibodies compared to Pfizer and Moderna's 96 and 95%. Um that's just another interesting thing to note and looking kind of at the numbers since the beginning of the shutdowns we've had about 110,000 restaurants across the United States that have permanently closed their doors because they're not able to do business um with millions laid off. And so as a result I think it you know, the benefits of opening up far outweighs the dangers of, of any sort of virus, especially when we already have the vaccine implemented, especially when people are already taking precautions and when the mortality rate per capita is lower than any other time. So these are just some of the numbers to look at. I know for high school students, you know, for anybody really, this can be a pretty heated topic about the coronavirus. There's been a lot of misconceptions going either way. Um, but I think it's important to note that that opening up is very critical. I think that'll be critical to to recovering and getting on the right track. Yeah, and I think it's important to also understand that um, everyone just keeps on bringing up, it's like, oh, but the risks, the, oh, the risks, the risk of getting at the risk of dying. Life is risks. 
there's a risk of getting like the same thing with the flu. You have, you always have the risk of getting the flu and you might have the risk of dying from the flu. And it's the same thing with COVID. Everyone should be able to make their own risk analysis personally. And instead of top down deciding what you should be doing, because someone up above who has control over hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of people won't know what's best for you or me individually. So that's, uh, I think that's really important to understand. It's like, if you decide, if you're in a state that doesn't have a mask mandate and you decide that it's still important to wear a mask, go ahead. You should be wearing a mask because that's what you want to do. That's awesome. If someone doesn't want to wear a mask and they've decided that um, the risk of them getting the virus isn't important to them. And I just think that's something really good to understand. Yeah, definitely bringing back that uh, kind of individual freedom and, you know, that idealistic uh, thing the American like kind of dream goes for. We, we, we provide for the individual and we say we, we empower them and try not to inhibit them in any way. But this definitely has inhibited them a lot. Uh, Speaking so of mass mandates, yeah. um, Texas and Mississippi just this week have dropped their mask mandates. And I think it's important that we clarify what that means because a lot of people are going crazy over it. Um, basically what's going on is, especially like the Texas uh, governor has even released a statement on this, that they're, he released an executive order rescinding all previous executive orders to make the state completely 100% open and no state mask mandate. That doesn't mean that um, you should just stop wearing masks or stop, you know, and think that COVID's over because it's not quite over yet. He said that we should, and that you guys should still be wearing masks. It's just, it's not going to be a, um, required from up above. It's an individual choice now. Yeah. Uh just a question on that. Do you know if this, like, do schools, do people in schools not have to wear masks now? Do uh, people go to the grocery store? Because, you know, those are, for school, it's like so uh, the... I'm not entirely the, sure about the schools. My guess would be that it's up to the schools or up to the administrators. But as for grocery stores and public and private businesses, that would be up to those businesses. So you're, um, you'll definitely see some businesses just drop the mask uh, mandates and be like, you can, you don't have to wear a mask in here. Well, this isn't something businesses that require masks. It's, it's going to be a choice. This isn't something that's new. Um, In fact, Florida has remained open throughout the the pandemic the entire time. And yet they have lower mortalities, deaths per capita than places like New Jersey, New York. Um, They're at some of the, some of the lowest mortality rates per capita. It's about 144. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty Florida low number. Actually, has a a lower death per 100,000 population than California, and California yep. has I think either the first or second youngest population in the states, and Florida has the second main is first. And, and so, yeah, that's that's just along with the same lines of the businesses. Is there are certain businesses in Florida that continue to, you know, have a policy within their stores that you have to wear masks when entering, and some do not. Um, and so that's just, you know, up to the business's discretion as to how they'll handle that. Um, but for the most part, I think that 
handling it in that sense is, is correct, you know, especially thinking critically that citizens in the United States are the ones that have say the government should have limited power, or at least that's how we should be taught. That's how high school should go. That's how, you know, this country has been. Exactly. This is how the country has been founded on. And, you know, you can wear a mask if you want to. If you decide not to wear a mask, that's great too. You know, but if you are very cautious about it, you can't make other people, you know, exactly do what you do. In fact, the best thing to do, I've seen so many videos of this, and I'm pretty sure you guys have too, about people being confronted for not wearing masks by other people that are wearing masks in fears that they would spread the virus. The best thing to do in those circumstances is to just keep your distance and not say anything if you're really scared of getting infected. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you should enforce uh, your ideals upon anyone. Like, if I don't want to wear a mask, I shouldn't be saying to a guy who's wearing a mask, like, why are you wearing a mask? And start shaming him for wearing a mask. And same vice versa, really. Um, especially if there's no mask mandate in that time or area. Like, uh, why are you trying to control my choice? Like, you don't have to be around me. You don't, you don't know their circumstance. Because it's just kind of like, oh, you might put someone else at risk. What if you have a family member that's high risk? You don't know if they have a family member that's high risk. They might not. They might be living home alone. And if they do get um, COVID, it wouldn't matter for them because it's just affecting them. Maybe their whole family gets it, but it won't affect their family because they're all part of the, they're all younger than 45. You don't yeah. know what people are going through or what their situation is just because your situation you could put someone at risk doesn't mean someone else will. And if that's the case, then you should be, um, then you should be careful. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely. I think we all agree on that point. Um, and then I think it's important that there, you know, to address the fact that there are businesses that have totally struggled through lockdowns, through mandates. Um, many taxpayers, you know, citizens, our families, you know, everyone has really been affected. The entire globe has been affected by this pandemic. Um, and a lot of people are asking, you know, the government what to do. And so I think, you know, the government's come up with several things, U.S. government, you know, over the past year with this. One of the most recent being the COVID-19 relief bill, which is also known as the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Um, and as high school students, you know, and younger students, perspective American citizens that are going to vote, that are going to be able to run for offices in the future, you know, we should be aware of how our government works, how a bill is passed, and kind of the contents of, of what that means. Um, because it's all well and fine and all, but we have to be able to inspect bills. We have to be able to think critically on them and see maybe is there is there a second purpose? Is, is this a two-faced bill? And I think that's a really interesting thing to address in this COVID-19 relief bill, because I think there are some positive things that can come out of it. Um, but also just looking at this bill in a whole, it's, it's very large. It's about 5,600 pages um, long, which is, you know, it's, it is, it's an extremely long bill. And, you know, it, it sounds all nice with the COVID-19 relief. Through the bill exactly. Like which is what I'm going to talk about next, which is, you know, hidden within the context of this bill um, are, includes things like raising the federal minimum wage to $15. Now, you can agree or disagree with that. Either way, that doesn't that doesn't really pertain to the context of COVID-19 relief. 
Um, another thing is $130 billion for schools. However, close to 95% of that money won't even be spent until 2022 to 2028. So only 5% allocated for this year in particular, um, on which is one of, of the most crucial years given the shutdown, you know. And with that, yes, cool, we're giving some more money to schools that are struggling. But the problem with that is, is from previous COVID bills and from previous bills, schools have already have billions of dollars that are unspent. And for this being a COVID bill, why are we allocating this money until 2028, which is seven, eight, seven, eight years into the future for COVID? Uh, it's, yeah. Yep. So these are these are just kind of like the facts, as well as 135 million to the National Endowment of the Arts, 135 million to the National Endowment of the Humanities, 400 billion with no protections to fund various abortions throughout the United States, and 50 million in climate justice, as written in the bill, um, as well as expansion of Obamacare. So now these these aren't my personal biases or anything. The things that I've read to you are straight from the bill. Um, they can be found on the House. Gov. And just kind of looking, so we just pulled a couple. There's now I could go on and on about more of what this bill contains, but now it's up to you guys as listeners to kind of reevaluate this bill, see maybe are there other implications to this? What's particularly in this $5,600, um, not dollar, sorry, 5,600 word um, and page bill. So it's, it's a very difficult kind of thing to address. There's so much within this bill um, and to pass it within within a month, I think would be doing the American public a great disservice. Yeah, it's kind of crappy that we've now, that Congress has now turned to just throwing a label on it that everyone would agree with and then packing in a bunch of unrelated details. And then I think because... that's why we've added this segment of our podcast, you know, or this episode so that high school students you guys, I'm uh, addressing you guys directly, should be able to kind of look at these things and think critically. You know, there are more more than meets the eye when it comes to things like this. And so as, as future voters, it is your obligation to analyze these sort of things and then assess, you know, whether you are conservative-leaning or more left-leaning, democratically-leaning. It's up to you to to find those things and to think you know, logically and critically, not everything that somebody tells you is always true. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's a a great like it's really suspicious of them to like, you know, here's here's a bill for COVID nineteen, but it also involves all the stuff that we want to do as well. Um, like, why would they not just pass separate bills for that? Um, because it kind of sounds like, oh, do you want your COVID nineteen relief? Well, then then this has to happen and this has to happen and this has to happen and this has to happen as well. Otherwise you're not going like to holding things up for hostage to well, get what you need. Exactly. And going back to that standard, um, Joe Biden ran part of his political stance as he was running to the office of president was $2,000 stimulus checks, right? And he promised $2,000 stimulus checks within the first week of office, right? It's been over a month. And that number, that that allocated money that he's promised to the American citizens has gone from 2,000 to 1,400. And most of these other things, the 400 billion dollars being spent on, you know, abortions, the 130 million dollars spent in endowments, 
um, another 135 million. All of those aren't going necessarily back to you, right? So that potential $2,000 stimulus check is shrunk because of all these other things that they want to pass. And you as the taxpayer are inevitably going to pay for it all. So you have to really decide if you like it or not. And if so, what are you going to do about it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a great conversation, guys. Uh, uh, definitely need to, you as the viewer, need to look into that bill and just really look at what's happening nowadays critically with the... With it's the very, very important to pay attention to current events because those affect you personally. Definitely. And now it's better late than never to start paying attention. And so we just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.